I'm so glad to have you with us today, and I'm going to see you by faith this morning. I've been praying, earnestly praying, that God would touch you and touch you in a way that you feel it, that you would, he would touch you with his power and with his glory and with his love uh, right as we teach his word this morning. Let's pray. Father, help us to realize that right now in this very minute, you are in our midst. We rejoice in your loving kindness and we bow in reverence before your majesty and your power and your glory. We thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit as our teacher. Open our eyes to clearly understand the things we talk about today from your word. Give each and every one of us a spirit of revelation so, so that we might know you better and better. In the name of Jesus, our Lord, we pray. Amen. We're going to read through the scripture passage in a little bit. Uh, but first, I want to say a few things that I believe God has put on my heart about faith. Hebrews chapter 11 is meant to give us an education on how to live by faith. And we desperately need to know how to live by faith. Because faith is how we come to God. It is how we experience God. It is how we have courage to obey God and to do things for God in this world. It is our faith that pleases God and is rewarded by God. Romans 1.17 says, the righteous man shall live by faith. We live by faith. Faith is the oxygen of our spiritual life. Without faith in our heart, we suffocate in our fellowship with God. Without faith, we suffocate our joy in God. Without faith, we choke our ability to do things for God with courage and perseverance. We shut down like a man trying to run a race with his airways blocked. That is why the writer of Hebrews says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. We simply cannot live the life God has called us to without faith. And we desperately need a biblical, robust faith. Faith is placing confidence in God. You cannot have faith in God and not be confident in God and in what he has spoken to us. Faith is clinging confidently to God and to all that he has promised. Because much of what God has promised us is for the future, faith must have a confident expectation of future glory. So faith generates in our hearts a bright hope for tomorrow. It propels us to stake our lives on what God says is ahead of us. We act and speak now based on confidence that God is real and the future that he has for us is real. But first and foremost, we draw near to God by faith. 
In other words, God himself is the goal of our faith. We don't try to have faith first and foremost just so that we can go out and do something better. We generate faith or we have faith in order to know and experience God. The writer of Hebrews said, if anyone would come to God, he must believe that God is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. So faith is about coming to God. It is about seeking God. It is how we experience the presence of God now. And we do this by putting faith in what God has done to open a door for us into his presence. This is the gospel. Luke said a lot about this in his time this morning. Jesus Christ died to bring us near to God. That is the essence of the gospel, and it's the essence of his purpose in coming. Going back to the Garden of Eden, God and humans shared space. They walked and talked together freely and without shame. But Adam's sin ruined this communion, this fellowship with God. Sin kept us out of God's space or his presence. Jesus died to remove this barrier. It is through the blood of Jesus Christ atoning for our sins that we are able to draw near to God. So Jesus alone opens this door to God. But we walk through that door by faith. We enter into this daily nearness to God by faith, and that is why faith is so vital. If you long to know God, to experience his presence, to have him manifest himself to you, to show himself to you, the author of Hebrews says, let us draw near with confidence through the new and living way Christ opened for us. Once we figure out that all of our heart's deepest needs and desires are met in this place of nearness to God, then exercising our faith to come to God, to draw near to God, becomes the main activity of our soul or becomes the main activity of our heart, of our inner life. In order to motivate us to live by faith, the author of Hebrews tells us a series of brief but powerful stories of people who lived their lives by faith in God. He tells us what they accomplished, what they lived for, what they looked forward to because of their faith in God. These stories in Hebrews 11 are to show us what faith looks like and to call us to a life of faith and to call us to live by faith. Faith in God looks like something and I believe that's why the writer of Hebrews shows us or tells us all these stories so that we can see what it looks like. People with faith in God talk a certain way. They speak about God. They speak highly of God. They speak of him as real and present with them. They talk about how good God is. They believe God is worthy of their love and their labor and their time and their lives, no matter what the cost may be. 
they respond to God with what might look to others like crazy obedience. They choose those things in life that God values and loves. And they refuse things that everybody else wants if they get in the way of what God wants. They would rather lose everything in this life if necessary in order to know God and to hear him say someday, well done. Hebrews 11, 20 through 22, which is our passage for this morning. In this passage, God shows us what faith looks like from the lives of three men in the Old Testament, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. Verse 20, by faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. Other translations say he blessed them regarding things to come or future things. Verse 21, by faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. Now, we can maybe understand why the walls of Jericho falling down is a big faith story. But why is Isaac and Jacob blessing their sons and grandsons? Why is Joseph talking about his bones? Why is that worth talking about? Why, what does that show us about the life of faith? Well, four things. First, these spoken blessings were an act of faith. What we do is an act of faith, but also what we say is an act of faith. And these blessings were not just words or merely words. They were transmitting something real from God. They were doing something. They were handing to their children the tangible blessing of God, even though it was invisible and for the future. They did it by faith. Adolf Sapphire said, it is only by faith that we can bless, for God alone is the foundation of blessing. And it is only by faith in his promise that we are able to pronounce blessing. Because Isaac and Jacob believed the promised blessing for them was real and tangible, they formally transmitted those blessings on to their sons and grandsons. In other words, they acted as faithful guardians of the blessing of God, passing it on by faith. And even the worshipful way that this was done showed their faith to us. Jacob blessed Joseph's sons, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. He blessed them with reverence because he believed God was there, he believed God was present with him and he believed that God's blessing was real. That is what faith looks like in our lives. That is what faith should look like in our lives. That is what faith will look like in our lives. We believe the blessing of God is real and we believe the blessing of God is upon us and of great value and so we speak and we act as blessed people 
and we bless others because we are so blessed. Second, these spoken blessings show us how important what we say is to the life of faith. Isaac, Jacob, and Jacob showed their faith by these spoken blessings. Joseph showed his faith by speaking of Israel's future in the promised land and expressing that he wanted to be buried there. You show your faith in the things that you speak. How we talk manifests our faith or our unbelief. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Blessing others with our words is one way we show faith. Also, giving thanks, talking about things that are worthy of praise, speaking with an attitude of hope about the future, speaking with an attitude of hope about our future resurrection and our future glory, being gracious and loving in the way we speak about others, being gracious and loving in the way we speak to others, all of these are demonstrations of faith and they all have to do with what we say, how we talk. Third, they show they had faith clear up to the end, the very end of life which is vital. All throughout the Bible, we are encouraged and exhorted and challenged to persevere to the end and to have a faith that perseveres to the end. Notice the emphasis that Jacob blessed his sons as he was dying. And Joseph's faith-filled words were at the end of his life. These men did not die in despair, or in bitterness and unbelief over unfulfilled dreams, they died in faith. They died with faith in their hearts, with faith that they were blessed and that blessing was ahead of them and for their descendants. And that is how we are all to live and die. We are to hold our confidence firm to the end. Fourth, they showed their faith by their confidence in future blessings. Isaac and Jacob spoke about things to come. And we see the forward-looking faith of Joseph in verse 22. This is in the NLT, but it makes the verse very clear. And it was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, confidently spoke of God bringing the people of Israel out of Egypt he was so sure of it that he commanded them to carry his bones with them when they left. He believed what God had promised Abraham about the promised land. So he said, God is going to bring you guys out of Egypt. You're going to return to the promised land and I want to go with you or I want my bones at least to go with you. And that would not happen for 400 years but Joseph looked forward to that and expressed faith in God by speaking of this future. The Holy Spirit highlights this aspect of Joseph's faith 
I believe because God loves it and delights in it when we look forward by faith to the things that are yet to come that he has promised us. Confidence in future blessing is an essential part of what faith is. We cannot say that we are living by faith unless we have this confident hope and optimism toward future blessings that God has promised for us. Faith has this forward-looking spiritual optimism because of what God has told us he has in store for those who love him. David said, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will remain in the house of the Lord forever. That's faith. The excellent wife of Proverbs 31 smiles at the future. That's faith. Bill Gaither wrote a gospel song that said, Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future, life is worth the living just because he lives. That's faith. Active, robust faith in the future God has promised us is real faith. Peter said, according to his promise, we are waiting for the new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Then we will see God face to face. He, will, he himself will wipe away our tears. Things will be perfect. And faith is living now with joy, expecting that in our future. Finally, we must understand what the blessing of Abraham was, which was passed down through his descendants and why it matters to us. I have spoken a little bit of this in some past messages, but it is so important for us to grasp this. To us, or to many of us, I'll say, blessing is often a very nebulous concept that means something very abstract or fuzzy. Or we can say, we're blessed or we can bless someone and really not even have an idea, any idea about what we are saying. But in the Bible, blessing is the ultimate favor and good that God could ever do for us. It is the ultimate status anyone anywhere could ever hope for to be blessed by God. And we must remember that without the blessing of God, prior to the blessing of God, all of humanity we're under the judgment and wrath of God after the repeated rebellion against God of, by all mankind from the Garden of Eden to the Tower of Babel. But God in his great mercy and love still had a plan to make people part of his family. And he started by choosing one man named Abraham and he made him this promise. Surely, I will bless you, and through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Meaning, people all over the world would come out from under God's judgment and wrath, and instead would be blessed with God's kindness and favor and love for all eternity. 
And this blessing would flow to mankind through Abraham's seed or descendant according to the promise of God. And ultimately that would be Jesus Christ. So here is the amazing thing. We are the ultimate recipients of the ultimate blessing of God that he first spoke to Abraham. Galatians 3.14 says, He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. If you are united to Jesus, you are in a tidal wave of unstoppable blessing flowing out of God's promise to Abraham. We will be abundantly and outrageously blessed forever. John Piper said, the promise is that we will be blessed. God said, I will surely bless you. And he means ultimate blessing forever and ever with God in eternity, forgiven, accepted, purified, glorified, capable of unspeakable joy, triumphant over all our enemies, sin and guilt and shame and death and hell and Satan. This is God's promise and that's what it means to be under the blessing of God. And this blessing has been transmitted to us who hold fast to Christ. The writers of the New Testament want us to know that we are blessed people. The letters to the churches remind us of our status as saints, beloved of God, chosen by God, and blessed by God. Paul wrote in Ephesians 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Peter said, God has called you for this very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. So to be blessed by God is really another way of expressing our salvation. To be saved is to be blessed. Well, let me summarize some applications for us. And these are all going to be drawn from things that we've already talked about, but I want to emphasize them and bring them down to our own personal experience and really call us to respond to this message and to what God wants us to have built into our lives from it. First, learn to encourage and nourish your own faith. We especially need to be able to do that now in this present time. There was a time in David's life that he lost, that he and his men lost every possession they had, including their wives. His men spoke of stoning him. But the Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord. He brought his heart back to a place of faith when he was deeply discouraged. And that's what we need to learn to do. We need to learn how to encourage ourselves in the Lord, how to bring our hearts back to a place of faith when they are, we are tempted to be discouraged. Instead of letting our thoughts run wild with fear and anxiety or despair, we must preach 
to our own hearts through encouraging truths of God and remind ourselves of God's presence with us and his power to deliver us and work things for good. And sometimes we have to do that all by ourselves. It's great to depend on others and we should depend on others to encourage us and help build up our our faith. That's a necessary part of being a believer. But sometimes we have to learn to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Second, we must believe that we are blessed and that the blessing of God is upon us and we must believe that that has great value or we must place great value on that. And the fruit of faith is that we will speak and act as blessed people. When we believe that God's blessing is real and tangible, that it is of great value to us, it really matters to us, we consider ourselves blessed, then we will speak and we will act and live as blessed people. We will we will carry that sense of blessing with us wherever we go and through whatever we say and do. Isaac and Jacob regarding the bless, regarded the blessing of God as a real thing with real outcomes that was highly valuable. Passing on the blessing of God was better than passing on a million dollars to their children and grandchildren. It was what really mattered to them. And for us to speak of this blessing as something real and valuable is an act of faith. And it pleases God when we consider ourselves blessed and we talk like blessed people. It gives him pleasure. Or we could say it makes God happy when he sees that. When he sees this attitude in our heart, I believe God says, I like that. I delight in that. Third, third application. Something as seemingly small, small as a spoken word or phrase in faith pleases God and will be rewarded by God. Something, something as seemingly small as just something you say in faith pleases God. He will remember that and reward that. It seems to us that the blessings spoken by these men was a very small action. And yet God highly regarded it simply because faith was involved. God will remember the seemingly small things that you do or say if you do that with faith in God. Fourth, Choose to hold fast your confidence all the way to the end of life as these three men, which we talked about earlier. As you age, as you get older, as you move on to middle age and old age and approach your dying years, do not move toward despair or unbelief or bitterness over unfulfilled dreams. Choose to finish strong. Choose to grow in faith, to increase in faith as you grow old. Choose to die with faith and in faith. Tony Snow, a former White House press secretary, died of uh, colon cancer in 2007. Before he died, he wrote an article in Christianity Today and he talked about his experience and 
how much blessing he had actually found through this experience of having cancer. And one of the things he said that in the valley of the shadow of death, he found that the Christian faith is not something doughy, passive, pious, or soft. The Christian faith is not something doughy, passive, pious, or soft. He went on to say, faith draws you into a world shorn of fearful caution. He was saying that faith in God does not strip your life of danger, but it does strip your life of fear and enables you to go through that valley of the shadow of death without fear. Number five, fifth application, final one. Choose to be a person who sees beyond the things that are presently seen to the blessings of God that we have not yet seen. Choose to be a person who looks ahead to the glorious future. God's vision for us and his blessings for us are so big that they cannot possibly fit into one lifetime here on earth. God's blessing is so big, it will take all eternity to receive. God will be showing us, God will be showing you the riches of his kindness, the riches of his grace and kindness toward us, toward you throughout all eternity. And so it's important that we don't look at this blessing as only upon us now. It is upon us now, absolutely. But it is something that is so big that we'll be experiencing it for all of eternity. There's an old gospel song that says, farther than my eyes can see, so much farther than my eyes can see, there's a kingdom of heaven, pastures of glory, and it's all waiting there for you and me. God delights in us when we believe that and when we live for that and when we rejoice in that. Let's pray. Father, how blessed we are to be out from under the wrath and judgment we deserved for our sin. And through Jesus to now...